Hello, everyone. Welcome into the GPS show along with Scott Pirak. I am Gabe Gottesman here bringing you back just one week away, less than one week away from the start of the NFL draft. Obviously very exciting. The NBA playoffs are under a month away as well. So it's a very exciting time for sports. And Scott and I, we've been off for a few uh, for a few weeks, for a little while. We've been very preoccupied with broadcasting for both the end of the football season and now moving into basketball season. So if you want to listen to Mercer Island girls or boys basketball, and then also uh, even some other sports we're going to be trying to go into like lacrosse or anything like that. Yeah. The boys games are on Tuesdays at six at seven 30. The girls games are Wednesdays. And then at the same time, seven 30. And then the boys and girls are both on Fridays, the girls starting at six 30 and the boys at eight 15. And we'll pretty much have every game for you on 88, nine. So right now we're recording this early, but the girls basketball game will start soon in just over an hour. So Make sure you tune into that. Scott and I will be there. But Scott, we have some priorities, of course, because we've been off for a little while, which means we haven't really uh, gone over the NFL draft. What are your? Can you give me your before we start your thoughts on the NFL draft and uh, how excited you are to have it back? Well, first off, I'm going to say I'm excited to see it's in Cleveland. They are bringing some people in, like players. Um, so I'm excited to see players there. And then also, I mean, the main thing for me is this is a very depth heavy field. We see in the quarterbacks, I think there's a really good chance we see five quarterbacks go in the top 10 picks. And there's also a good chance we could see five receivers. That's just how good this class is. And Gabe, maybe you disagree with me here, but I think if we look in the future with how these prospects are being graded, I think this could be a class we kind of look back on and it's like, that is what's running the NFL right now. Yeah, I completely agree. Just also looking at the fact that we could have a possibility where the top 10 picks are all on the offense and only a few of them are offensive linemen. There's a lot of great wide receivers. Of course, four quarterbacks at least going to be taken inside the top, maybe four. I I assume that well, we're going to get into a little bit of a mock draft, uh, but possibly the first four quarterbacks will go in the first four picks. And then there's probably going to be another one that goes down the road inside the top 10. So there's going to be a lot of trades happening. We've already seen the 49ers trade up, the uh, the Dolphins trade down and back up. So it's been very interesting to see how it all plays out. But Scott, let's get right into it. Our full NFL mock draft of the teams that did not make the playoffs. So the first team, of course, is the Jaguars. But the last team that did not make the playoffs was the Miami Dolphins. So we're going to go one through 18 and give you not necessarily who we would pick, but who we think the NFL GMs will pick. We can also give our um, two cents on who we think should be picked. But Scott, first overall. Well, I'm going to have to do the consensus here and agree with Urban Meyer. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, that's all I have to say. He's he's my number one prospect. Yeah, he's going to be – there's no chance that he isn't a Pro Bowl player – I don't even know if there's the closest player to him is probably Andrew Luck, who we were like, okay, he's definitely going to be good no matter what. And he Uh, was before he, and he was very good. He was a pro bowler. He got to the AFC championship. He was really, really good. Um, And before that, I I don't know if there's anyone that's really been close to just knowing, okay, he, from the day he stepped onto the high school field, people were like, that guy's going to be a number one overall pick. So he has been on everyone's radar for a long time, and now finally he gets his chance. And I think it's a, it's an exciting time for him because 
it's a pretty good organization with a great coach. Second overall pick, the New York Jets. They will take Zach Wilson, who is the quarterback from BYU. Of course, the problems are he hasn't played very very much competition of late. And in that one season that's going to earn him this number two overall pick, that was the one season that he didn't play against good opponents. When he was with BYU in his first couple of years and he was playing against high competition, he was not as good. He was definitely not a first round talent as a quarterback. So that's what scares people right now, but he has all the talent. He's kind of like, I don't even know how to explain like Kyrie Irving in the backfield or in the backfield. He can make any throw moving any direction. So that's why the jets want him. And it's going to be interesting to see if another QB fails in New York. I think if there's one QB that could have the most bust potential, it's probably Zach Wilson. Yeah. High risk, high reward. Um, And then the next one, the Niners earlier this year, trade up for the third overall pick gave up the 12th a 2021 third, a 2022 first, and a 2023 first. So I think to give up that much inventory, I think you have to go quarterback for the Niners here. I do think it will be Mac Jones, but if I put my two cents in here, as we're calling it a Gabe, I think the Niners really should look at Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I think those are the better prospects. Um, But Niners will go Mac Jones. And I think he's he's going to be one of those where he's kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not the greatest player we've seen, but he can fit a system really well. Yeah, Mac Jones is way down on the big board for a lot of people, but he's going to end up being a top pick. It's well, a, I mean, it's been rumored the Niners will pick him, so that's why I'm going he, with. Yeah, that. he's that's true. I think there's one thing Colin Cowherd said is the 49ers aren't a team where stuff gets leaked out. If it's not true, they did not, no one knew that they were going to trade for this pick. It came out of the blue. So I don't think that if this got there's, there's something fishy about this getting leaked out and everyone knowing about it when they're pretty hidden organization, but I, I'm not exactly sure. I think Mac Jones will be the guy. He's definitely the most ready prospect right now. He put in that pro offense and he showed consistency at Alabama. Of course, he's not, he doesn't have the upside as a lot of other players, but I don't know if Shanahan necessarily needs a guy like Trey Lance, who's just like insanely talented, but isn't necessarily ready right now. I want to ask you, and you're probably going to this with the Falcons pick, but would you prefer Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Cause I think a Niners, I think should take Justin. I think they would fit better with, excuse me, Trey Lance. Well, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you for the 49ers because I think Trey Lance will end up actually being the best quarterback when it's all said and done besides Trevor Lawrence. But there's something about right now that Kyle Shanahan's legacy is on the line and John Lynch, they traded all these picks up for the third pick. And Trey Lance is a guy that's still a year away, a year or two away, kind of like Josh Allen. So if he goes up there in his first year and just stinks it up on the, on the field, people are going to wonder what they were thinking. And I think that's actually important for them. So they're going for the safe bet. But it really depends on the organization. I do like Trey Lance actually better as a quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen, the small school, 6'5", big, uh, big QB that can, that can run, truck players. He's that new era quarterback that's just super athletic, maybe the best athlete on the field at any one time. All right, so with the fourth pick, the Atlanta Falcons, I'm not going to take a quarterback for them because they've got Matt Ryan. He's going to be a pain to have in terms of the 
cap for them. So I think they're going to stick around with Matt Ryan for a few years, and they're going to take the best player besides Trevor Lawrence on the board. That's tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida, 6'5", 240, and he runs a 4'4". What more can you ask for? He's definitely a wide receiver more than he is a tight end. He can line up anywhere on the field, and at the same time, he's still 6'5", 240, like I said. So he is able to be kind of the, the most versatile player at any one point. And the Falcons, they've, they've been nice to Matt Ryan. They traded up to get Julio Jones. They drafted Calvin Ridley, and now he's going to get another great target in Kyle Pitts. And I think they've got a chance in that division with the Saints and Panthers both looking a little bit questionable going into this year. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is one of those where if we put our own minds into it and kind of change it up, I do think the Falcons could very well trade out of yeah. this pick because there's no, I mean, Kyle Pitts, great player, but he's not the number one need for this team, maybe. Maybe they, they, they could get like four draft picks for this pick. So I agree that trade. Agreed. Is. And I mean, their defense was horrendous last year. Keep in mind, Matt Ryan was one of the leaders in passing yards last year, like he is every year. Um, so I could see the Falcons trading out, but we're going to go with Cal Pitts here. And so with the fifth pick, this is where I think it's interesting. If I'm the Bengals, I'm not quite sure. I think they will go Jamar Chase because that's kind of Joe Burrow's kind of into wanting to reunite with his um, college football trophy winner, Jamar Chase. I mean, they won the national championship. However, I think the right pick would be Panay Suo from Oregon, but I'm going to go with Jamar Chase here. I think that's who they will go, even though it's not what they need. It's interesting if Atlanta trades down and then um, someone trades up and gets one of those QBs, Kyle Pitts would still be available there. So that would be interesting between Chase Pitts and then one of those offensive linemen. So with the number six overall pick, this is an interesting one because now uh, Jamar Chase is gone. I think that should be Suo though. That's my two cents. And yeah, so, but technically Jamal, Jamar Chase is gone. This is what we think will happen on draft night. And Kyle Pitts is gone. So what does that bring up for the Miami Dolphins? Well, they could either go for another wide receiver with Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith, or they could go for an offensive lineman. But in reality, I wouldn't say offensive line is a huge need right now for the, um, for the Dolphins, but It'll be really interesting. I'm I'm curious if they still go wide receiver here. I and mean, this is what's fun doing a, a draft for because we we don't know. They could probably trade down. They are still looking, according to reports, that they're going to trade down. But I don't and know. I don't think they, they don't need a defensive player. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say they, their offense defense is definitely good enough, and they want to make sure Tua works. So it says that they may need an offensive lineman. I guess I'll go um, with – Ooh, I'm going to go with Panay Sewell because I think you can play him with his athleticism at either left tackle or right tackle. And whichever one opens up, he'll definitely go in there. He's ready right now to be a beast on the offensive line. And if you can maybe put him at right tackle for that blind side for Tua, that's going to be very important for him. It's a little bit of a shame that they can't get a wide receiver this early in the draft. But once again, they've still got a spot at 18 that they could definitely go and grab the third wide receiver out of that bunch with Waddle Chase and Devontae Smith. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there and if they trade down from the spot with both Chase and Pitts gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
the Lions definitely lines. with a unique pick because the Lions have a lot of needs. I mean, lost Marvin Jones, lost Kenny Galladay, lost Matthew Stafford. And the, all they really did this offseason was sign more running backs. So they're clearly going to be a run-heavy team. But at the same time, their defense is horrendous. But I think you have to go with some sort of offensive lineman here. I just yeah, think, I, that, I, I mean, they're going to be a run-heavy team. I, that's the one thing that's really clear because Jared Goff is not a, you know, he's not a Matthew Stafford. He's not going to be carrying this team on his shoulders so I think for me with Sue off the board, I'm going to go over Sean Slater out of Northwestern. I think he, he is a pretty good grade. I think he's kind of, I think him and Penny Sue are going to be kind of the top two off the board. Yeah, that's definitely the top two offensive linemen there. That, bring, that brings me to a tough situation with the Panthers because they need a left tackle very badly. They have Sam Darnold, which I think was a very smart move. They don't need to get a QB now in the draft. They could definitely trade down as well. I think the draft... Not, doesn't necessarily start with seven because it probably does with uh, number three because the 49ers could also never. I would say it starts at four. Whatever. The I don't start. know because Mac Jones. He may. What if they're not taking Mac Jones? That, that's the one. That's the only. That's the only pick where I'm. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat waiting for Roger Goodell to say Mac Jones because I'm not a hundred percent sure. The only reason I say four is because if the Falcons trade down, don't take Kyle Pitts like we do in this mock draft, and they take a quarterback, then that changes maybe the Bengals and then the Dolphins would leave Sewell for Kyle Pitts. And that allows Sewell and Slater to kind of drop to some of these later teams who are. The the Panthers would love that for sure. But right now in my situation, I cannot do that. (laughs) I'm going to go with a cornerback because that's another one of their needs uh, going along with, I'm forgetting his name, but they've got a a cornerback right now. They still need someone opposite. The the rookie, um, Jeremy Chin. No, that's the safety. I, I'm totally blanking on his name, but we're, we'll uh, we'll do some research for that. But I think opposite, um, their second corner needs to be someone that's athletic, that can make plays. And that's where I'm going to go with a guy that has gained a lot of momentum recently, J.C. Horn from um, Virginia Tech. He's been a player that's been all over the field. and but You would pick him over, um, at, Patrick, over Patrick Sertan. Uh, well, that's the thing. I just think that right now, if you're going to make an aggressive move, they're already got Sam Darnold. I think Sertan is more of a number one corner, but I like uh, JC Horn right now to be a guy that's super athletic and can make plays all over the field. You already have Jeremy Chin and a couple other players that they got early in that draft last year. They went totally defensive. So building on that defense, allowing Sam Darnold to do a little bit of work offensively. McCaffrey's back. DJ Moore, of course. They don't need to really go anywhere on the offensive side. Robbie Anderson, too. And I'm going to be curious to see whether they go with Sertan. You're right, because the Cowboys, uh, who are my next pick, also need a corner. But I'm going to go aggressive. They've got an aggressive owner. They've got an aggressive team. I'm going with J.C. Horn. Interesting. So you're going Horn. So that leaves me, you're, you're throwing up this mock draft at me because I actually had all four quarterbacks going before the Broncos pick. Yeah, so that's interesting. With that, the I would have had the Broncos going with Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, because I think that's one of their needs as Von Miller's kind of aging out of his prime. And they overall have a good defense. I don't think they need a receiver or running back. They have 
the strong core in Melvin Gordon, Phil Lindsay, and then Cortland Sutton coming back from his ACL injury. I think they'd be good. So in that case, the Drew Locke experiment, I would say, has not worked. So I think I think you retain Drew Locke, but bring in some competition. And I think this is where we could see Trey Lance come off the board. Ooh. I like him a little bit more than Justin Fields just because of his size. Even though Justin Fields was at a bigger program, played some better competition, I think kind of after I've watched some film on them, I think Trey Lance has more upside. Kyler uh, Murray is kind of like, I mean, you did the comparison earlier, Lance to Allen, I would put Fields to Kyler Murray. Okay, so now that brings me to the number 10 spot. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys trade up. Oh, by the way, Dante Jackson was the cornerback for the Panthers. He He's not necessarily elite but he had a very good first couple of years he, he was kind of famous on hard knocks a few years back so dante jackson is the corner there and i would pair him up with jc horn now at number 10 patrick sertan seems like the obvious pick for the cowboys like i mentioned i think they might trade up try to get kyle pitts in the top five it wouldn't surprise me with jerry jones but i'm gonna go with patrick sertan he is definitely the most nfl ready cornerback right now and he is from Alabama, so he played against great offensive offensive competition at the wide receiver spot. And even at Alabama, it's not like Mac Jones where you're throwing to incredible players. You're still left there out on an island again against SEC wide receivers. So he's 6'1", 200 pounds, and I'm going to go with Patrick Sertain the second. I like that pick. I mean, yeah, that's definitely a good pick. Um I'd like to add on, I could see the Patriots trading into the top 10. I think there's a real possibility they try and get yeah. into the quarterback. I, I think I could see them trading with the Panthers who don't really need anyone, especially with Sewell and uh, Slater both gone to jump right over the Broncos and get the QB they want. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it all starts on that fourth pick. You kind of threw me off with Kyle Pitts there. Um, yeah. And so initially I had the Giants actually getting Slater because I thought he would drop just a little bit and I thought they would be able to grab him at this point though with the Giants I think it's gonna end up having to be I I think you keep I don't think you experiment with another QB you give Daniel Jones another year because I mean they just signed Kenny Galladay and they also brought in I'm blanking on the name it was another tight end they brought in uh, Kyle Rudolph they brought in Kyle Rudolph so I think they're let that experiment work for a little bit. I actually could see the Giants doing two things. I think I could see them going with Devontae Smith. Ooh. I think they I think there's a real prospect they like there, and it's a big city, and you bring in the big Heisman winner name. Or they go with Micah Parsons and beef up that defense that was so good last year. They already re-signed um, I'm forgetting the D Lyman's name. Leonard Jay Williams. Williams. Yeah, Leonard Williams, and they have James Bradbury. But in this case, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. I feel like that's oh. a little more realistic. So That's aggressive there. I, th- I, think I agree. They, I think they really want to see what Daniel Jones' potential is. Kenny Galladay, yeah. And you can't say he wouldn't have a good offense as he has Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, and Devontae Smith all around him with Evan Ingram. Yeah, and Sterling Shepard and Cal Rudolph. Yeah, if he isn't great, then move off him right away and figure out a new quarterback situation. Because remember, there's going to be more players. Who knows 
whether the Panthers will let go of Sam Darnold and he'll go back to New York. There, there could be a lot of different things that happen. And if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, that would be very interesting. Now that brings up something very unique for me with the Eagles pick here at 12. They traded back from the Dolphins who were at 12 when they traded with the 49ers. It was all crazy, but now the Eagles sit here at 12 and there's two options, Scott. The first one is Jalen Waddle get another wide receiver because Jalen Rager hasn't really been the, the player that he, they hoped to, uh, he would live up to when they drafted him in the first round last year. And Jalen Hurts, of course, the quarterback in the second round, they drafted him from Oklahoma. And he looked like he was a pretty good QB. He looked like he could sustain himself. So that Jalen Waddle, who was initially one of the top players in this board, but he has injury problems. And it'll be interesting to see if, how far he falls. Yet, I could also go with someone that's fallen. We knew one QB would probably fall, but it's Justin Fields now sitting here on the board waiting for the Eagles to snatch him up. And I don't know what to do because they could also trade out of this pick for a team like the Bears who are sitting right now at 20 or the Patriots who could hop up making sure another team doesn't get him like maybe even the Vikings or another team trading up. So I think they would probably trade this back. But for now, I'm just going to have to go Jalen Waddle. I don't want to force uh, Justin Fields to have a competition with Jalen Hurts and have those two guys on a rookie contract battling it out because you can really utilize one. And boy, I, I'm that's a tentative pick for me to not go with Justin Fields for the Eagles because I'm not sure how great Jalen Hurts will be, but I guess I'll just let him have a few more years because he's definitely talented and he's got a lot of speed too. Uh, Jalen Hurts does. So pairing him up with a guy like Jalen Waddle could be exciting to watch in a division that's really up in the air right now. Yeah, now it leaves me with the Chargers. And I think they're one of those teams that are really built for the future. Um, they have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So I think they're set at receiver. They did lose Hunter Henry, but I don't, I, there's now that Cal Pitts is off the board, there's no other tight end that, you know, is a shiny ball and kind of sticks out. So I think the Chargers are going to go offensive lineman here. Um, they brought in Corlin, Corey Lindsley, but they've lost Turner. So I think the Chargers, need they need to protect Justin Herbert. That's really the story of this pick. Um, so I'm going to go with Christian Garris out of Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, he's a third-ranked offensive lineman, and I think he's going to kind of not really fall, but I think he will end up being a Charger, which is really a perfect situation. Yeah, that if the Chargers, there's some mock drafts that I've seen that have had either Sewell or Slater dropping all the way to the Chargers, which would be so interesting. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker is also someone that could go there. And right now with the Vikings spot at 14, I think that could be a perfect match. I would argue that Veritag is probably a little bit better than Darasaw right now. Um, he's more of an interior lineman, though. 6'4", 300 pounds. Obviously a beast on the inside. The thing is, I could also go with uh, an edge rusher like Quiddy Pay out of Michigan or um, maybe Caleb Farley, who's a corner. Um, maybe transfer him to safety or keep him there. Let him just learn in that secondary and um, the, I think we can agree the the Vikings are good on offense. Though. Yeah, they've got so much talent there. Even if you have a hole on offense, it's, it doesn't necessarily matter because you can fill that up with Dalvin Cook and fill up a 
a left guard being a little bit under average. Like you don't necessarily need to go there. And I think there's a lot more you need to do on the defensive side. I'm going to go with edge rusher Quiddy Pay because they've lost Everson Griffin. They've lost a couple players on that defensive line that made them so good. So um, I think they didn't Yannick Ngakwe used to play for them. And then after yeah, like, he was, he Jaguars, was and then he was on the Ravens. The Ravens. Yeah, he, so he ha- he left. They need an edge rusher. Quiddy Pay, 6'4", 277. And he he's definitely built for the NFL. And I like that pick there at 14. And Gabe, I'm not quite sure this would happen, but this is the dream. I know. Oh, my goodness. Bill Belichick. They didn't even have to trade up, and this is an easy pick for me. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. He falls right into the Patriots lap, and that gives – and I think it fits because he kind of has that Cam – obviously, he doesn't have the same build as Cam Newton, but he loves to run around. And the Patriots brought in Hunter Henry. They brought in Bourne. They brought in Nelson Aguilar. They brought in – um Johnu Smith so they brought in talent and I think this could really be kind of if they can land a quarterback I think we'll see one or two more years of Cam and send him off to yeah wherever he goes next maybe he retires after that and we see him in the broadcast booth that's that's the steal of the draft Justin Fields yeah I'm taking Justin Fields there and that all stems from what I was saying at the beginning that all stems from the Falcons Kyle Pitts so I think it's uh, that pick is going to be so influential to every other team. I think there has to be someone that trades up there. It'll be very interesting. Uh, so for the Cardinals at 16 now, obviously just missing the playoffs, finishing third in the NFC West. Patrick Peterson and uh, their second corner, Drake Kirkpatrick, are both gone. So this makes this pick pretty interesting. Um, I could have gone with Caleb Farley for the Vikings, um, but this time around I'm going to actually take him. And Caleb Farley, oh, out of Virginia Tech. I think I didn't. I say that. Um, I said that J.C. Horn was out of Virginia Tech. He's out of South Carolina. Caleb Farley's from Virginia Tech. My bad there, but I, I think Caleb Farley is definitely one of in between Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn. Sertain's definitely a guy that's right away ready to be put him in, plug and play, and he'll be great just on one side alone. And then J.C. Horn's more of a guy like. Um, I don't even know if there's an NFL comparison to him. He's just very aggressive. He only had a few interceptions, but he's, he's a guy that will uh, make aggressive plays at the ball. He might get targeted more often, but at the same time, he's going to be right there every single time. And then Caleb Farley is kind of in the middle of those two. So I'm going to go with Farley to the Arizona Cardinals. That would not be great if you're a Seahawks fan, because he would uh, match up, I think pretty well with either DK or, Tyler Lockett because he's 6'2", which is pretty tall and uh, almost 200 pounds. This is my two cents, Gabe. If a, if one of the top four receivers falls to the Cardinals, I could really see him taking a receiver because, yes, they have DeAndre Hopkins, but they don't have a receiver too. I mean, Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald are not reliable receiver twos at this point. Larry Fitzgerald is closer to retirement than his prime. Um, that's yeah. the nice way of saying it, I guess. <laughs> and so... That Those are my two cents. But moving on to the Raiders, and this is a team that I could very well see going best available. I mean, they lost Gabe Jackson, who went to the Seahawks. They lost, I believe, Rodney Hudson was who it was, their center. Um, He got traded to the Patriots for like a fifth-round pick or something like that. And so I think this is where the Raiders go best available. In that case, it's 
Jeremiah Owosu Kamara. I don't know if I said that name right. Out of Notre Dame. Um, he's a linebacker. But I think they just need to fill their holes and they have too many. They have too many. So I think this is where they go best available and try and beef up their defense just a little bit because I mean they have Jonathan um or they have Abram from Alabama from a few years ago. But I feel like besides that, they don't really have any names that stand out to you. All right. The final pick for our little mock draft. Honestly, I'm not sure how accurate it's going to be. This is mainly just focusing on team needs because of all the trades that will most likely happen on draft night. But I'm going to go with the wide receiver. You said the top four. Really, for me, it's the top three with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and then, of course, Jamar Chase, who's probably the uh, the best of the bunch. But there's a fourth guy, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. He's kind of a small, faster player, a little bit like Devontae Smith. He's kind of fragile, but he's a very – very good player. And I think the Dolphins who picked Panay Sewell uh, at six overall, at least I did, I get them once again. And this time around, I do not skip out on a wide receiver to help Tua. So their defense was stellar last year. Obviously they looked like they could be an easy playoff team. And then it kind of fell apart. Sadly, once Tua came in, Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing well for them, but um, Rashad Bateman wide receiver out of Minnesota is the, final player taken in our mock draft the gps show annual mock draft i think i'm gonna add on to that and then we'll move on to our next segment um i think this is all because of the Bengals. because i think you can tell me what you you think if the Bengals pick sewell and the dolphins have the choice between pits or chase i don't think pits will fall that far but if they get that then i think they go receiver with that six pick they go receiver kyle pitts who I like to call a receiver, even though he isn't. Yeah. Uh, that six pick. And then here's my bold prediction. I very well could see them making a major reach and picking Najee Harris out of Alabama. Who? The, the, the Dolphins. If you look at their team, they have a really strong defense. They don't well, need Miles Gaskin defense. was decent. Savon, yeah. I don't know. I mean, what I'm yeah. Devon Ahmed was decent. I mean, yeah, but as good as Miles Gaskin is, he's not your running back that you want on the one-yard line or fourth and one, punching it through the line. I don't know about you, but I would rather have. I mean, I would wait till like the fourth or fifth round to pick a running back that can do that. When you could get a guy like even Devontae Smith or yeah, right there. I I think it's all going to be about best available. But that's a bold prediction. That that's my bold prediction. Wow. So there, there you have it. We will, we'll be true to our word next Friday when the first round is done. We will go over our selections, figure we, out where we, we know went at right. least our first pick is right. Where we went wrong. I, I'm more excited to watch this draft than I am in a long time. First of all, because of how good it is, how deep it is in terms of the quarterback position and the wide receivers, but also COVID. There's not as much going on. It feels like it's an exciting time to have the NFL draft. And Scott. Moving along, of course, we're a versatile show here. We're experts in everything. Not only are we going to do an NFL mock draft, but also we are transforming ourselves from NFL scouts to NBA media voters for the MVP award. Now, this is a controversial topic right now because although Nikola Jokic is the presumptive favorite right now with only a few games remaining, Joel Embiid has been gaining some traction as he continues to play very well for the 76ers, always putting up 30-plus points, it seems like. And then 
no doubt about it. Steph Curry has put on a show. He before like their their loss to the Wizards last night, he had four out of five games where he had ten plus three pointers. So he's been absurd lately. There's still guys like LeBron who's been injured, but LeBron's always in the conversation for most valuable player because he is the epitome of being valuable to your team. Even a guy like Chris Paul who will not win the award because he's averaging like under 20 points, but he took the Suns, he flipped them around. Now the Thunder are back to being a terrible team after they were amazing with him. So he is doing well to uh, make his case while the Thunder are also helping out a little bit. Scott, is there any names I missed that you think have a chance to definitely win the award? Well, I don't want to say win the award, but who you think is in that conversation? You say Steph Curry. I did say Steph. Okay. I, I didn't say Giannis. I, I, I don't think Giannis this year. I think, I mean, they're third in the East and they just haven't, he hasn't performed at the same level as we saw last year. I mean, I say that, but he's leaving his team with 28.5 points per game, 11.2 rebounds per game and six assists per game. It's just, I think a lot of it comes down to the record kind of player spotlight. And I feel like Giannis hasn't, you know, been out in the open as much as we saw the past two years. I would think the only name I'd throw in is Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard is a unique one and James Harden. I think those are the two that may have a shot. Um, but besides that, I, I think LeBron's out of it with how much time he's missed. Can I throw out a name? Julius Randle. He's all the way down here in the odds. But talk about the New York Knicks just totally transforming as a team. They're now pretty much a playoff team. And one thing that's interesting is it's not necessarily – obviously, R.J. Barrett has improved and some other players have developed a little bit. They look like they, they could make a run in the playoffs here. They could provide uh, – a unique set of skills to contrast against a team like the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but at the same time, I think Julius Randle has been that one guy that has shown out for the New York Knicks. And I'm not saying he's the MVP, but he's pretty valuable. I would argue that he might even be more valuable with the definition of the word than Nikola Jokic, who has some other stars on his team. They got Aaron Gordon. I, I might say that Julius Randle's more valuable than Nikola Jokic. Scott, speaking of these New York Knicks, a little bit of a side tangent. Zion, he was asked about, I don't know if you saw this, he was asked about Madison Square Garden, and he was smiling ear to ear. He was so excited talking about it. Oh, I love playing there. Oh, that's my favorite place to play. And he was like, oh, uh, besides New Orleans, of course. Do you think that he would go and team up with R.J. Barrett in oh, New dude, York once his, once his contract is over? That's a hard one. I mean, I, I would love to see the New York Knicks be. be I mean, I, 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 it's hard because... The Pelicans are so young and they have such a great, I mean, they actually do, even though they don't have the best record, they have a relatively good roster. I mean, Lonzo Ball, let's see if they bring him back. Brandon Ingram's kind of the one that stands out the most. Um, Josh Hart, who's actually played. DJ Reddick's a good round. Yeah. So the, the Pelicans definitely have a good roster and I'm not quite sure how much money they have to spend in the next few off seasons but i think if they can bring in one more player and still give zion that max i just think it's so hard to say no to a max contract yeah. i mean we saw with Giannis; he had so many other choices but he took the max contract someone would have to do the math here do you think that 
Zion would actually lose that much money leaving New Orleans and going to play oh, in the no. mecca of basketball, the mecca of the world. No. So many shooter deals, so many sponsors playing. You'd be the face of the planet. It, I mean, maybe even more than LeBron. LeBron played in Cleveland for a lot, and by the time he got to Miami, he was kind of hated. Zion, if he went to the New York Knicks, the along with the Lakers and maybe the Celtics, probably the vintage team in the NBA, how how big of a brand he already has he would be a, a superstar, not only in basketball, but really in the world. That's something that we haven't even seen since MJ. So that would be so interesting to see what he does. My answer right. to that is only time will tell. Um, I've got okay. I've got Embiid winning the NBA MVP. I just think that he's been a little bit more valuable than Jokic. Let's, let's go through right. the ladder real quick. So you have Embiid at one. Embiid I, I want to hear your top five ladder, and then I'll put my top five out there. All right. I'll start with five. Five, I'll go... Five will go Giannis because there's just um, there's no way I can have him winning. I know it's probably not right to say, but a little bit of uh, I'm a little bit tired of always seeing him win. Uh, number four, I'll put. Ooh, this is hard. I'll put LeBron at four, even though he's missed so many games because they are they're a 500 team without him, and they're the NBA title favorites with him. So he's definitely incredibly valuable. I'll put Curry at three, averaging 30, keeping this team alive. They could make a run if they get to that little bubble spot. And it'll be interesting to see. Number two, I'm going to have Jokic, of course. He is the favorite. But I just think Joel Embiid at one because he has led this team. Ben Simmons doesn't do enough scoring. Tobias Harris, he's definitely their third guy. He's not someone that you can say, oh, Joel Embiid has too much help. He has Tobias Harris. He's been a beast in the paint, kind of going back to the old school basketball while also staying true to the current game with the three-pointer and the outside jumper. So Joel Embiid is my most valuable player this year when he does play. He had that one injury that hurt him a lot, but without that, he he's probably the favorite right now. Yeah, um, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, he's averaging 30.1 points per game and 11.3 rebounds per game. Um, I think I'm also going to... At the current moment, having beat at one, then this is where I have a switch. I'm actually going to put Curry at two, and here's my reasoning. If you look back two years ago, they were in the playoffs. They were a strong contending team. I mean, just keep in mind, it was, what, 2016 that they had won the title. Um, last year, they lose Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They go 15-50. and 50. This year, no Klay Thompson, but they do have – Steph Curry, they're now 29 and 30. So they've easily surpassed that record. He's really the only reason that this team is even in the playoff hunt. Um, so I would put Steph Curry at three and then a four at, sorry, I would put Curry at two and three at is Jokic. And then at four, that's a, this is kind of where mine gets a little messy. I'm going to go four Giannis and then five, I'm going to go Damian Lillard. Right. I think it's, I'm just going to say, I mean, they're the sixth seed, but Damian Lillard's averaging 28 points per game and 7.6 rebounds per game. And he's hit so many clutch shots. I can't even count. So that's my top. He he feels like he's year in and year out, such a valuable player to the Portland Trailblazers. What would they really do without him? Franchise alive. I mean, you're not, you're not talking about Ennis Cantor or Nurkic. (laughs) You're whenever you think of, the Blazers, the first thing that comes to your head is Damian Lillard and some sort of 
game winner. Deep three, yeah. <laughs> All right, so there you have it, our MVP uh, odds. Scott, we got one more segment. You want to introduce it? Yeah, I mean, the NBA playoff format is definitely weird this year, to say the least. There's going to be 10 teams that, quote-unquote, make the playoffs, and then the 10 seed, it's for both the Eastern and Western Conference. The 10 seed is going to play the 9 seed. The winner of that game moves on to play the winner of the 7. Well, they play the loser of the 7-8 seed. So the winner of the 7-8 game will just be the 7 seed. Then the loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game to get the final 8 spot. So it, it's going to be like, for example, right now, the Heat in the East are the 7th, the Hornets. They would play each other the 7-8. Whoever wins that, let's say the Heat win, they get the seven seed. Now let's say the Wizards beat the Pacers, who are the ten seed. The Wizards are the ten. They would play the Hornets because they lost the seven eight matchup. And whoever wins that moves along and takes the eight spot. So if you're a seven seed or an eight seed, you get two two lives really to make the playoffs. And if you're a nine or ten seed, you have to win two in a row. So Scott, is there any team right now outside in either conference, outside the ten spot, that you think has a chance to not only move in but also win, come out, and then make a run and try to push one of the top teams in either conference to a, uh, to a deep series. Yeah. Well, I guess we do two winners and two fallers kind of, um, I mean, in the East, it's very obvious. I think I'd have to go with the Pacers and the wizards. The wizards are only a game and a half ahead of Toronto as we're recording this. Um, and with that, I think the two teams that can really jump up are Toronto and Chicago. I think, especially Chicago, I think when they get Zach Levine back, and they, they made that trade for Nikola Vucevic, um, my old Orlando Magic player, <laughs> who's, who was an all-star. And they did it because they knew they had a chance to be in the playoffs. Um, so I think they could jump into that 10 spot. Toronto with Pascal Siakam, I think, has a good chance. And then the West, before I let you go, I say the Pelicans can jump in and San Antonio jumps out but I don't really think there's any chance that any of the, I think those are the only two teams kind of left. And then I want you to add in what team can fall into the playoff games. So like right now they're the five or six seed. Okay. Well, if the Atlanta Hawks, I, I haven't really seen a team like Atlanta where, they are just for first of all the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Celtics. The four, and Trey, five, Young, six, Trey Young just got injured too. Yeah, the four, five, six in the East, they're all kind of up in the air right now. There's that top three, and then other than that, uh, I'm not really sure. The Knicks look really good right now, but you're right with Trey Young's injury. I think the Hawks definitely are a team that can move down there. I really like. You mentioned the Raptors and the Bulls. Um, I think the Wizards are definitely a team right now, sitting at the 10 spot, that have a chance to not only beat the Pacers but then also get that final eight spot. And then if they if the Wizards can end up playing against the 76ers in the first round, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook could, if they're on the same team and they're in the playoffs, you can never count them out. I don't see them just getting swept. What? I was going to say, which is so weird because they started off the season. I mean, what were they? They were like one in nine or something terrible like that. Yeah, they were abysmal. But with that much talent, if they can even sneak in, I really think they've got a chance. Uh, to to make a move in the West. I mean, right now, I always am a little bit scared with the Memphis Grizzlies because they don't they have John Morant, but other than that, I don't really see anyone in the playoffs. We saw it in the playing game against 
the Trailblazers to get that final eight spot in the bubble. And they had no player to really step up besides John Morant, who kind of late in games, he's, he's a little bit uh, smaller, not as strong, and he gets beaten up a little bit against physical defenses in the playoffs. So that scares me. And then, of course, the Golden State Warriors sitting at the nine spot. I think if you, if you have a straight-up series between the Warriors and the Jazz, you can't tell me that the Warriors are not obviously not favored, but you can never – I think that would be a seven-game series in the first round. I don't, know, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that the Wit Warriors can steal a game, but I think the problem with the Warriors is they only have Stephen Curry. Yeah, if Steph Curry's on for four games, I mean, you he could easily I, average fifty. There's just there's nothing stopping him right now. I agree, but he's also averaging thirteen points per game more than the next closest player, who's Andrew Wiggins. Well, hey, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, decent wings. Clay Thompson's probably not coming back, but. Um, yeah, he's definitely. That, that would be unique. If oh, that would be amazing. I would feel bad. That you probably don't want the one seed right now because if Thompson, I think they ruled him out for the year, but yeah, he's out for the year. But that would throw a curveball in the West. All right. So with that, uh, we're going to wrap up the show there. Um, for Scott Pirak, I'm Gabe Gosman. You can make sure to listen to us on Spotify. Search up the GPS show. We'll be posting our shows there. And of course, from five to six on Fridays, the uh, on Tuesdays and Fridays, the girls basketball game starts at 630 tonight on, at 815. The boys game starts So make sure to tune in for that here on 88.9 The Bridge. And we'll see you next time.